Disney Vault Talk presents Rebel Yell. Star Wars Rebels discussion and commentary. With your hosts, Teresa Delgado and Steve Lawson, and a few surprises along the way. And now, Disney Vault Talks, Rebel Yell. Hello, Star Wars Rebels fans and faithful Goldiverse listeners. It's Rebel Yell, and we're talking the episode Holocrons of Fate. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. And as was discussed on the last episode, Teresa is going to be sitting out and coming in here and there as she's able to. Uh, But we have an incredible, incredible guest co-host as Teresa is taking some time uh, to help us out. He is my brother from another mother. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Schoenerweiss. What's up, man? What's up? How's it going? Good, good. I kind of feel like, you know, the old Tonight Show when you were invited to fill in for Johnny. Like, that. that's how I feel. Like, it, it, it's an honor to uh, to be, to, an honor to have Teresa ask me to fill in for her on some of these episodes so i'm gonna i'm gonna try and bring my a plus plus game tonight well i tell you what as when when Teresa was talking to me about it i kind of i didn't even think about when she first told me you know i've got some stuff going on gotta do this i didn't even think about what i was going to do with vault talk i mean i was just thinking vault talk i'm like well we'll put vault talk on hiatus no problem and I didn't even think about what I would do with Rebel Yell. And then she's like, I asked Eris to fill in for me. And I was like, that is perfect. Who else would I, Who else can I just spend, you know, 30, 45 minutes talking the wars with better than, than my brother from another mother? And we're getting some good episodes so far right out of the gate. Man, th- yeah. So I, I'll be honest with you. This season, you know, if, if, if these first two episodes are any indication of how this season's going to go, I don't know that I'll be able to stand it because this has been some good Star Wars in these first two episodes. Particularly, man, this Holocrons of Fate is... I it, it, is, it is an episode that is setting up so much, it seems like, and something that is just mind-boggling that could be t- coming down the road. It, it's just... I'm just... I, I'm, I'm in awe. I just watched it again a second time, like just right before we started recording and there were all these I, I just was jotting down things like through the whole episode rewinding like oh I gotta hear that again mm-hmm. there's there's so much that in this that I missed the first time around when I watched it I watched a Sunday afternoon kind of between football um, but like I just missed so much that's and it's now it's got my head swimming like what does this mean? Like what are the potential of this or this? So right, I uh, just uh, a really really exciting episode. Like the more you dig into it, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I I I was really blown away, and I was glad we get to spend more time with Bindu. I was glad that it was more Kanan and Ezra centric because though we got Kanan and Bindu in the last episode, it's good to have Kanan and Ezra back together, even with the. Uh, you know the little bit of whatever's going on going on and i'm sure that we'll have a we i forgive you talk at least five more times this season 
Mm-hmm. Um, and but to to bring Darth Maul back out of the shadows so quickly, and to set him on a path to to force knows what. Um, I it's just it it was I was just digging I was digging the whole mythology of this thing, and it's Henry Gilroy writing. He's I, we could call him a veteran Star Wars writer now at this point, I believe. Yeah. And um and and so of course it's going to. You know, he's going to be the guy who gets the nod when they break these stories, I think, to kind of flesh out these scripts to, you know, that have the that have this very Force-centric, Jedi-Sith-centric. He and the and just a couple of others are going to be the ones who get that nod then to to kind of flesh out the story in a script form, and, and fantastic job in this well, episode. Well, and he's great at these stories. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, I mean, let's, let's get into it. Um, let's do it. You, uh, you've got some notes here that... I, this is this is brand new to me. I've never done notes on Rebel yet. <laughs> like I said, I'm trying to bring my A plus plus game. Yeah. You know? I'm trying to. What's funny was you know last episode for for the season uh, the season three premiere when we had the, the council together, mm-hmm. I was joking around about like how do you guys know what the episode title name is and stuff. So I'm actually, you know, I'm on starwars.com on their page, like, you know, reading their notes, reading the trivia and stuff for this. Like I did my homework for this. That's one. true. You, you, uh, you, you've gone from, from, uh, I've seen a lot of things, but I've never seen one, anything to convince me there's an all powerful force controlling everything too. It's true. All of it. That's what you've done. You've, yeah, you've taken basically. that journey in one week's time though. You took a, didn't take you as long as it took Han. No, well, but that's the that's the the, the role that you know. Right. I I, I got to do this right. I got to do right by Teresa. Well. So. Well, we well we do appreciate it because this is going to make this thing just just fly by here. So let's let's. So, well, before we jump into this, there's mm-hmm. one little note that I got off of watching the Rebels recon. Yes. For this episode. Mm-hmm. And. And we didn't talk about this last week because I don't necessarily know that we knew this last week. But uh, Andy was interviewing Pablo on the recon. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he mentioned is that between uh, the season two finale and the season three premiere, about six months has lapsed mm-hmm. in the story. Right. And so I, just, I thought that was interesting. It gives us a little bit of context for what's gone on and also leads into a little bit that, you know, this, this sort of, uh, the separation between Ezra and Kanan, which this episode focuses on a lot, you know, has been lingering for quite a, quite an amount of time here. Yeah. Um, so I just thought to, to start this off, like just knowing that we're dealing with about six months, you know, it well, was was a good little note. Yeah, I think I think there was something about it either in some of the press releases about the season premiere or uh, on StarWars.com last week, and you're it didn't get brought up on our show. Um, but yeah, it it you know, and then it was confirmed again by pa- by Pablo on on the Rebels Recon, like you say, six months have passed, and that's really telling. I mean, you know, because I feel like that it's not just Ezra's guilt over what happened to Kanan, which really comes out in this episode. Um, but I think it's also partly was because of Kanan's, uh, not self-pity, that's kind of a harsh term, but just his insecurity about being able to do anything now that he was He blind. lost his mojo. Right. Yes, that's a good way to put it. 
That's a good way to put it. He, you know, he'd lost his mojo. He, he, he felt defeated after having lost his sight. And so it's just, um, uh, you know, but so with the guilt well, on the it, one hand and the, and the, and the weight of just feeling inadequate on the other hand, yeah, they, I guess they just start, they just kind of separate for a little while. Well, and the other thing with Kanan too was that, you know, here's a character that for a long time was, he did everything he could to not use his force abilities. Right. To hide his force abilities. And it, kind of the first season is, is him coming to grips with, this is who I am. I am a Jedi. I need to use this. And then, you know, the second season, we really kind of see him coming into his own as a Jedi. He becomes, uh, he, does he become a knight or a master in that, that kind of temple vision? Scene? I think, I think he becomes a knight. The yeah. idea is he's a knight um, and, and Maul calls him master. I think just kind of it's, it, because it's Maul and he's like trying to get under your right, skin. Exactly. Um, but then like, right as he's like really coming into his own and feeling confidence, feeling confident in his, in his ability to train Ezra and stuff, bam, it's all taken away just mm -hmm. like that after the events at Malachor. So, you know, in the short amount of time, he's gone from not wanting to use his powers to feeling comfortable with it and then having his sight taken away and confidence with it. Mm -hmm. um, and also in the six months, we've got Ezra monkeying around with the Sith holocron. Right. You know, and that's that's not a small thing. That's a sizable amount of time to be playing around with, you know, this dark side force object. Well, especially when you consider that in in the episode when they were on Malachor at the end of season two, you know, the thing that was made of that Sith holocron is you have to tap into fear and anger and stuff to mm -hmm. open it. And so for, for Ezra to be able to obtain any information from that he was tapping into a into a dark place and you know last week we talked a little bit about you know some of his actions as far as just basically causing a guy to walk to his death you know um by mind controlling him and in, in in the atdp or whatever it was that they called it um the two-legged chicken walker that he was driving and you know and and I, in those, in the words of Yoda, always ring in my ears that once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Mm -hmm. And and I know that doesn't mean that you're doomed to be a Sith or you're doomed to be a dark force user, a dark side user, uh, for the rest of your days. But it's definitely going to be a struggle now for the rest of your days because it's quicker, it's easier, it's more seductive. Yoda told right. Luke that it's not necessarily more powerful, but it's just quicker and it's easier and it's more seductive. And in that, it ends up consuming and, and destroying it's interesting that we don't really outside of maybe count dooku we don't meet in the star wars saga a dark side force user who doesn't end up um well i guess in a way dooku did but by and large who doesn't end up scarred deformed maimed in some way you know with maul you look at his he's cut in half for crying out loud the emperor right you know, the Emperor, he's revealed for being all scarred and messed up and everything. Vader is the prime, you know, picture of all that. And um, and so it, this stuff takes its toll on, on a Force user, it seems. And so that's, to me, I think, you know, you have to bring Kanan and Ezra back together ASAP because 
they've got to, you know, Kanan is now, he's going to take that role. Because In your notes here, you talk about when they enter the Hammerhead, Ezra's real protective of Kanan. And I think what we're going to see is Kanan, just as we saw in this episode, it flipped. You know, where, where by the yes. end, when they were in the cave, Kanan's kind of protecting Ezra. I think we're going to begin to see Kanan as he grows comfortable with who he is and, and, and what he's got going for him now. We're going to see him become, again, more and more, if not maybe overly protective of Ezra. And I think we're going to see some conflict come from that. I, I don't know that we're going to see him become overly protective. I actually think we're going to see them kind of balance each other. And, and, and part of this episode was about them finding that balance again. Um, you know, with Ezra, Ezra finally admitting to Kanan that, you know, he feels guilty for what happened to him on Malachor. If you think about it, too, this guilt that Ezra has been carrying that too has probably been helping him uh, feed into the dark side, allowing him to open the holocron, learn things from the holocron. Um, but Ezra admits it to him, and Kanan, you know, has that great response where he's like, "I never blamed you for this, Ezra. You don't mm. need to uh, apologize to me. You need to forgive yourself," kind of thing. And then they have that moment where they hug, and then it cuts to to Bendu outside who a couple minutes before was thinking they might get eaten uh, because such is the way of things. <laughs> um, and now he's happy because the master and apprentice have found balance again. Yeah. So I think that, I think that, you know, we're going to, we're going to see them. I think we're going to see them at least for a little while. I think Ezra's going to continue to get pulled to the dark side a bit. And I think we're definitely going to see Maul show up again and, and, and stuff. But I think that at least for the next few episodes going forward, we're going to see them kind of, kind of uh, complimenting themselves a little bit because even with Kanan's abilities, there's still things he can't do. And like, for instance, when they went to talk to Hera on the Holocron, Kanan couldn't see that Maul was there. Right, right. You know, he didn't know what was going on until he heard the voice. Mm -hmm. um, but so even with the, these force abilities and him learning the channel and him learning to kind of become the daredevil of the Star Wars universe here, uh -huh. um, you know, there are still things that he can't do that I think Ezra is going to help, is going to be there for him. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to go back to, to that moment you mentioned about Bindu or the Bindu. I still can't get Is it the Bindu or is it just... I well, but Kanan just kept calling him Bindu. Right. I think his name is just Bindu. <clears throat> That's what I think. And so, but that moment where he does kind of, you know, he's kind of talking to himself. He's like, well, they may get eaten or, they may, you know, but that's the way of things. And then when he sees them kind of embrace and, you know, everything's going to be okay, um, he does smile. Yes. There's a so, is how much do you think he cares or gives a rip about? I, I think he does. I think he does because to him, remember in the first episode, he you know he talks about this notion of balance and you know the that it's not just about the light and the dark side and stuff. So, I think for him, like seeing the two of them find that balance again, it kind of goes into what he's preaching that it's this middle that you can live in. 
Um, and, you know, he's also like, he, look, the guy sounds like he's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's some other things that he says that I found really interesting that we'll jump into in a bit. But, you know, he it seems like he's been around forever and he just kind of hangs out in like this desolate planet by himself. So I think he's also intrigued by here here comes this force user who is willing to learn from him and you know it, it gives him a chance to pass on this knowledge that it seems like he's accumulated over this very long lifespan so to you know any teacher if when they see a student like embracing their lessons like it makes them happy mm-hmm. yeah i but I guess what I'm saying, because he just reminded me, especially in the first episode, in a lot of ways he reminded me of an int from Lord of the Rings. Yes. And and though they cared, it took a lot to make them get involved. And and I just wonder, you know, how much everything that's going on in the galaxy really matters to him, or is it just that, well, these two young Jedi have stumbled across my path, so since they're here, I'll just do what I can to help them along. You know, I think it's a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. Because I, he's clearly it. Nothing about him seems to indicate that he is trying to find out what's going on in the rest of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. You know, he does seem to know some things. Um, it'd be curious. Like, I'd love to. I'd love to to know more about him. Yeah. Like, you know, how old is he? How has he always been on this planet? You know, there. I mean, look, he says at one point, um, you know, when he's talking about, uh, wait, where is it? <laughs> when he's talking about um, the bringing the holocrons together and mm-hmm. stuff, and he, he talks about it grants a clarity of vision beyond your kind. Mm. So what does he mean by that? Beyond their kind, I, I thought was kind of an interesting choice of words. But then he also says, goes on to say that it will bring such chaos with hidden truths i have seen it before Hmm. so where has he seen that before who who combined the holocrons like that that he saw this like chaos of hidden truths unleashed and what is it about combining them that brings that mess out like up until this episode, I thought the way Ezra did that they're just repositories of just kind of general knowledge that someone had or, to uh, almost program in there. Yeah, I mean, I, well, at least in like the what are now the legends books and stuff, you know, it was about wh- whoever created the holocron. It was just whatever they put into it. Right. Right. Um, but there was something about. And, and Ben do makes mention of this. It's something about when they're both open together that they tap into the force itself. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily what's the, the knowledge, but that's been put into them. It's that it creates this, like, I mean, they don't say portal and maybe portals the wrong word, but it's like this pipeline directly into the pure force. Mm. I think that that's what gives you this clarity, that that's what right. allows you to see these sites. But I think it's also a little bit, too, of the knowledge that's put in there. Because mm-hmm. the holocron, the Jedi holocron that Kanan has 
isn't that the one that had the Obi Wan message? That had the Obi Wan message in it, yeah. So, did it have information that Obi Wan put in there? Because when Ezra's looking into the bright light at the end, when they're both looking into the light at the end, they're seeing things that I think we all assume meant Kenobi. Mm-hmm. You know, Ezra says twin sons. Uh, Maul says he's alive. Yeah. So could this could this be information that Obi-Wan kind of hid in the Jedi holocron about what his mission is right now? Well, see, I don't know because I don't think and and I guess I won't you know, we'll go down this path with that one first holocron right now, the one that Kanan's had. I always got the sense that that that, that I don't know. See, that's the thing is is I don't think that Obi-Wan made holocrons and just kind of sent them out into the ether. I, I feel like that either somehow Kanan uploaded that information from a message that was sent out from Obi-Wan or that somehow Obi-Wan sent that message out into holocrons everywhere. Right. Um, you know, but I don't know that he would have put in there encoded information of, I'll be on Tatooine if you need me. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I don't know that that... I got the sense that there was something much more supernatural than the the inner workings of what was in the holocron going on there, if that makes sense. In other words... Right, right. So then is this, these clues to Tatooine, mm-hmm. is this the force revealing that information then? Maybe because, maybe Tatooine is sort of like this force nexus now mm-hmm. because Luke is there son of Anakin because Obi-Wan is there one of the last surviving Jedi could that be the reason why these clues were revealed to them because Ezra wouldn't have any subconscious reason to see twin sons no. to see that information no, but it, Maul it... might because of his history with, with Kenobi but right. he thinks he's dead so he wouldn't necessarily be seeking information about Kenobi right well that gets into that gets into what Maul was looking for versus what Ezra was looking for and and the Ezra thing to me is easier to answer because Ezra says I want to see how to destroy the Sith right and as he looks into the 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 joint holocrons he's looking for a way to destroy the Sith and what he sees are twin sons which I think means that it's pointing him to Luke, that Luke is ultimately right. going to be Luke. that key to wiping ultimately out the Sith. Is the one that destroys the Sith. Right, and I think that, that that was what Ezra was saying. With Maul, I don't know. Filoni said in that Rebels Recon that you mentioned earlier that he doesn't want to be a Sith. He's looking to be something else. Right. And And so the question then is, so what is he looking to do? Because what we know from the Clone Wars, and I, I never had the chance to read the Son of Dathomir comics. Neither did um, I. That came out, but but what but what we saw in Clone Wars was he at first wanted to take his rightful place back by Sidious's side, and then when that didn't work out, he wanted to he wanted to continue the quote unquote line of Bane, I guess, and and just wipe out Sidious altogether. And 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 I love he called Dooku that Sith pretender. Mm-hmm. And and so while I thought we may be headed toward a Maul Vader showdown at some point, it doesn't necessarily seem that way anymore. It seems like he's, I mean, he told Ezra he's looking for hope, 
What right. is what does that mean to someone like Darth Maul? The hope of what is the question? That he's going to rule all. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. That he'll be the the the, the one the, the most powerful force user. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the other thing too to, to think about. Like I said, we all assume that this means Kenobi, but. It, that could just be a big red herring mm-hmm. to like kind of throw us off the That's scent. That's true. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, who else would be like he's alive? Could it be, excuse me, his brother? Oh, yeah. Savajo Press. Press. Yeah. Um, I mean, who else is out? Who else is out there that that would really mean and it it definitely says he's alive so it's definitely a male Mm -hmm. um i mean uh, if i if i had to put money down on it right now i'd say kenobi yeah i would too um just because of the history the two of them have had Mm -hmm. um but in the back of my head i'm like you know do, do they really want to bring kenobi into rebels too I mean, for a one-off episode, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've been doing it with the comic book, too. Um, Have they? Yeah, in the Star Wars comic, they've done a couple... Uh, I think they've done, like... They've they've done a couple issues um, with Kenobi on Tatooine, like, kind of just watching over Luke. Hmm. I, didn't, I did not know that. Yeah, it's a few one-offs that they kind of do, kind of in between arcs or whatever. See, I think this is an opportunity to to end the Maul saga and end it the way that we all thought it ended in mm-hmm. the Phantom Menace and have Obi-Wan finally once and for all kill him. Right. Um, you know, and, and there was something else that was said as far as like, uh, you know, Maul has lived when he was supposed to die over and over again, and so he, he doesn't care about that. It's almost maybe he's right. searching for a way out. Maybe, maybe it's that thing of... Um, Oh, who? What was the thing? Yeah, that was set on Rebels Recon, right? Yeah, yes. But I'm yeah. trying to think. If there was a, there was a thing a long time ago. It was another piece of movie or TV or something where someone wanted to die, but he would not end his own life, and he kept fighting people looking for someone who was worthy to kill him, who could actually kill him. And I can't think of what, what that was all about. But I, I feel like it may be the same concept here. It's well, like, it's kind of it's kind of Saint of Killers in the Preacher comic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. Familiar. Uh, I had. I've never read the Preacher comic. By yeah, me. I'm just. I didn't think you had. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think where you're going. Uh, I wish this. I it could. Does, it does seem familiar. Yes, I wish I could remember it. It'll and it'll hit me later when, when I think. But they were looking for someone who who was. Does strong. the one person in the chat know? I'm looking. Well, no, we've got more now. <laughs> okay. We've got more now. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, oh, I wish, like, it's, it's just, I can see it. I can see it, you know, because they're like, thank you when they finally, you know, and he is a bad guy, you know, he's like, I want to die, but no one can kill me. And so, um, and I feel like maybe, maybe Maul's looking for that. Maybe he's looking for his way out, that he's not right. going to take himself, you know, or maybe it is the hope of just revenge, simple revenge. Um, the other interesting thing I thought about, Ezra and the thing that he wants to know is how to destroy the Sith. Right. Which which is a very un Jedi like thing. Because mm. the Jedi are not it, the 
true essence of the Jedi is not about destruction. Mm-hmm. You know, as Yoda says to Luke, like, you know, I'm pretty sure it was Yoda to Luke that, you know, the Jedi always in defense. Um, and, you know, and Kanan hints at it when, when, uh, when Ezra questions him about, well, why did Yoda send us to Malachor? And Kanan said that we asked for a way to destroy the Sith, you know, and we failed. Because what what you asked for, you asked the wrong question. Right. You know, and Ezra is continuing to ask the wrong question in this obsession of his to destroy the Sith. Mm-hmm. So he's never going to get the answer, at least from a Jedi source. Mm-hmm from a, a source of the light side of the force, he's never going to get the true answer to that because it's not something that the light side of the force is about. Well, and it's also the the path that Anakin started to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his whole thing was to destroy the Sith, to, you know, to protect my friends, and it became join the Sith to have the power to, to destroy the Sith kind of this situation, to save Padme... And in his plan, he even tells Padme, you know, I've, I'm more powerful than the Emperor. He's seen this. I can take right. over. You know, and, and immediately it begins to infect his brain. I have well, a... it's the path, too, that Luke goes down until he realizes that he's going down that path and stops. But he's also guided down that path, in a way, by Obi-Wan and, and, I mean, Obi-Wan and Yoda. Because, because they're basically saying, you've got to kill Vader. You've got to. Yeah. Or you're not going to be a Jedi. Well, they say confront, and Luke says, I'm not going to kill my own father. And then Obi-Wan says, well, the Emperor's already won. Right. You know, and it could be that they knew that it is just a confrontation, not not going to actually kill Vader. But still, I, I don't know. It's, it's, you... But that's interesting. This, this opens up, like, an even wider discussion now because, you know, one of, like, the kind of the new takes on on the prequels and stuff was the corruption of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And that's why they failed in the end was because they were, you know, they were becoming generals and leaders and they were participating in war and all these things that were truly out of nature for the Jedi order. And Yoda was a part of that at the end, even though I think Yoda saw the fault in their ways. He just what wasn't able to stop it um but certainly obi-wan partook in that mm-hmm. you know obi-wan was one of the big heroes of the clone wars yes yeah um well and so it's it's a little bit of that that corrupt thinking that not pure thinking and it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if qui-gon had not died fighting Maul. if qui-gon well, had been look. around because it seemed like at least what we were getting in the other legend stories and stuff was that Qui-Gon was he was kind of the Jedi who was thinking out outside the box thinking differently than the others were well I've maintained since the first moment I walked out of the Phantom Menace that had Qui-Gon not died Anakin wouldn't go dark that yeah I don't think he would have he wouldn't have let him mm -mm, no that well he also would have because the Jedi were so sold out to I have several things I've got to backtrack and say after I say this. The Jedi were so sold out to their dogma at that point. 
mm-hmm. that all they could see Dogma's was a great word that yes all they could see was their code and and qui-gon saw the living force he mm-hmm. he worked in and that's why he and everyone even says you'd be on the council if you just you know do what they tell you and he's like i'm not worried about that i'm worried about the force right and and i think that having that mindset would have allowed him to handle the talent that Anakin possessed and be able to mold and shape and direct him. I think he would have let Anakin go back and visit his mother. I think he would have, you know, um, I don't know that he would have encouraged Anakin to be in a relationship, but Anakin wouldn't have been in a position where he felt like he had to go after Padme and, and Sidious or Palpatine was the only person he could talk to. I think, I think Qui-Gon being around and being Anakin's master would open up a whole realm of different ways that Anakin would have been shaped differently. And when the Clone Wars come about, if they still do, I, I think what you run into then is a is a different type of battle that Anakin and Qui-Gon end up fighting than the rest of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, I, okay, and to back up a little bit further, just to go back to what you were saying about Ezra asking all the wrong questions... You know, maybe it's that Luke was misinterpreting what quite because I have a hard time feeling like that once they're one with the force that Yoda and Obi-Wan don't get it. I feel like Yoda I feel like what we have to take away from Yoda and Obi-Wan's experience is that they learn their lesson. Um, you know, right down to the self sacrifice that Obi Wan makes to get those guys off the ship, to Yoda telling Luke, you know, wars not make one great. It's the idea that right. I think they learned. And so they never use the word you gotta kill Vader. They, they say confront him mm-hmm. as if they know what's coming for Luke and that if he refuses to go or if he goes with the idea that he's got to kill Vader, you know, but that's something Luke has to come to on his own as, as a Jedi, that, that this becomes his test. And um, he does. He right. passes that test. Yes, yes. And then, and then backtracking further, the person who wanted to be beaten, I was using the word killed, but he wanted to be beaten but would not just lose on his own. Was it's from Talladega Nights? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yes. I realized that when someone in the chat was trying to tell me about they couldn't, they couldn't be killed. I'm like, it's not they couldn't be killed. He was looking for. Some, I said there was this guy who no one could beat. And he was, and when I used the term beat, I was like, oh yeah, it's the it's the bad guy from Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I love that it, it almost always comes back to Talladega Nights in one way or another. Last chance, romance. Shake and bake. <laughs> no, no, no. Magic Man and El Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, okay, so I've, I've now compared Star Wars to Talladega Nights. <laughs> My job here is done. My job here is done. But... Uh, Anyhow, to, now to catch back up to where we were, I, I don't know. I, corruption of the Jedi, though, also seems like a real strong word. And I know we're going way off topic. We need to swing it back around. But because to me, uh, they were flawed, but I don't know they were corrupted. Corruption. Well, but but I mean, like, I don't mean corrupted as in like they're, you know, like they're taking bribes. And right. Doing this. It, it's like corrupted as in they've gotten away from the essence of their teachings. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that they have a Jedi council that they are taking, that they're partaking in the politics of the galaxy mm-hmm. instead of just being this neutral entity sort of thing that they're, they're just, they're part of the system instead of being 
this this force outside the system. Yeah. You know, that that's what I meant by corrupted. <clears throat> well, and that then gets into the history of the Jedi, I think. Is is when they and I don't know that hadn't okay. Well, we have to be careful here because the history of the Jedi as far as we know it is just the prequels right now. Okay, that's all we've got. We don't have when and there's something coming out or then this is where I'm going to rely on your knowledge as someone who's employed by these people. Dawn of the Jedi, is that something? Dawn of the Jedi is not. It, that's Legends. Okay. So that was before. And that was the all the way back to the very beginning. Right. You know, that what, when the expanded universe existed, that was okay. the first. I thought that was more recent. on on the uh on the timeline but okay. that is now legend okay i thought that was more recent and it was in the in the proper canon yeah. so so we don't know yeah, any... we're seeing them draw upon things mm-hmm. in that when we hear them and, and rebels talk about the bogan and the ashla and mm-hmm. things like that there there's some elements of that as with all the legends material we're seeing elements of it brought into into the canon okay. but dawn right. of the jedi is legend okay see because then i was going to have a question about it. so we don't know then we don't know the history, and that and that leads me to you know the questions that we all have to ponder. Sometimes when we start thinking about this. At what point do they decide we're going to be a peacekeeping force? You know, yeah. That's 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 kind of the questions you get into with this kind of stuff. Is is was that even the right role for them to go down? Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at Luke in the Force Awakens, and he's just kind of hanging out, you know, there on whatever that planet's called that he's on, on that island. Is he not, is, is maybe he's doing the right thing? Maybe the whole point of, you know, Yoda and, and Obi-Wan having to go into seclusion was the right thing for them to do because, you know, the Jedi, though they're keepers of, you know, for over a thousand generations, Obi-Wan says, the Jedis were guardians of peace in the Old Republic. Maybe they're not supposed to be the guardians of peace. Right. You know, maybe they're just supposed to be those those samurai warriors who, you know, the kung fu guys who who wander the earth or wander the galaxy, mm-hmm. just helping people wherever they happen to run into them kind of thing. Being guided by the force as they go along. I I don't know. It's a that's way off topic. So, let's we'll try to swing back around now. <laughs> but that's that's how great this episode was yeah. that it's got us discussing things like Yes. This. Yes. Exactly. But I, I guess, and, and we get there by talking about what's Maul's plan, what's his, what's his end game, and I, and, and I think that's the journey we take with him, you know. And I don't know um, that we're going to see him for a little bit, you know. I think, I think he's gone because we've got our next episode is going to be the Antilles Gambit, you know, and they're bringing Wedge into the Rebels, right? Um, and then I think, I, then my guess is we would get, we're going to get a couple Thrawn episodes right. in here too at some point. I mean, he is meant to be the, at least from what we understand mm-hmm. the big bad guy this season yeah. so yeah in, in regards to Thrawn and his and his plan I, I honestly have no idea and I love that I have no idea right I love that it's just this big mystery to me mm-hmm. you know what is he doing he he definitely is intent intent on Ezra being his apprentice he just throughout this whole episode he kept referring to him as my apprentice um and and this we talked about this last episode this kind of ezra getting pulled back and forth between the light side and the dark side and we're seeing that again this episode you know we've got the the first the first 
70% of the episode or so is Ezra and Kanan and Ezra learning from Kanan and realizing there's things that he can still do and stuff. And then, then we've got Ezra alone with Maul, you know, and Maul tapping into him and, and, and getting him to do things and stuff. And it's this kind of rubber band that Ezra is getting pulled back and forth between the light and the dark. And I think at one point too, that Maul didn't Maul went like when Kanan and Ezra first got to the asteroid base, didn't Maul refer to him as our apprentice? Oh, I'd have to go back and watch for something like that. But maybe he did. I thought I heard maybe that the first did. time yeah. I watched it, and I didn't necessarily catch it the second time. But, you know, he kind of just offhand, like, thank you for bringing our apprentice. Right. You know, but he's just intent on Ezra being his apprentice. So I think that's part of his end game. Well, I also wonder how much of that is Maul just also taunting Ezra. Um you know, the way he does, the way he's doing Kanan, uh, you know, is he just, does he but know? But he's doing that with Kanan to antagonize him. He doesn't want, I don't think he wants to antagonize Ezra. I think he genuinely wants Ezra to want to, to want to be with him. He wants him to want him? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh. <laughs> now I, I want to see that, Ezra. <laughs> I want you. I want you to want me. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, I want to see Sam Whitworth do that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Sam was just great in this episode, Yes. I love the tour. I love that he figured out that the ghost was their home and then asked for the tour and just his, the, so colorful. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, when he sees Sabine's room, just his oh, reactions to different rooms. One of the funniest one of the funniest uh, bits was when they open up Zeb's room and he's like, That's an interesting odor. Yeah. You know, and and so yeah, he he provided a lot of comedy. Maul is funny, you know, there he his his sarcasm and and stuff tend to make him actually kind of humorous. Yeah. And um and I'm really interested you know, uh, he's becoming he's become a very interesting character because as BA as he was in Phantom Menace, um, when uh, when we get to uh, when we get to him in the Clone Wars and he goes crazy and I know everyone hates the you know the spider legs and everything, but once he kind of gets his mind right, he becomes this really layered character. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's dealing with you know just kind of being abandoned. We we see him in his in his craziness dealing with his abandonment, and now we see him just kind of working out this plan that we don't really you know that nobody has a clue as to what it is. Right. So it's it's interesting. Um, we we see a little bit of uh, Force Awakens. Um, influence might be the wrong word in 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 this because when he's pulling the stuff the information out of Hera's mind. It's very Kylo Ren. Yes. And what Kylo did with uh, with Ray and and with Poe, you know, we saw him do that with even right up to the hand, right at the face, and that sort of thing. Um, and and did he call Kane and Caleb Dune before or after he did that too? Before. So he. Did- I thought I thought that he learned it from reading Harris mind but he called him Caleb before that so this is a mall who has learned some stuff 
Yeah, yeah, and I just I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember him call. I don't believe he's called him Caleb before. I think I this don't is, think so either. I think this is, might actually be the first time that Kanan's real name Caleb has been used in a Rebels episode. I, I'm I was thinking the same thing when I heard it. I said I don't know that anyone has called him Caleb in the series. We've seen it, of course, in the comics, but not well. It, it first originated in John Jackson Miller's right. uh, A New Dawn right. novel. Right. But as far as anyone, Plug. yeah, yeah, and that was and that one's actually pretty good. It's Kanan and Hera meeting up, and 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 Kanan is a different Kanan than what we even see yes. in season one of Rebels. But, um, but yeah, I don't I don't know that we've ever heard that name uttered in Rebels the series. Right. Proper. So now my question is, how did Maul know that? Well, that's the thing is that that's what makes him so great yeah lately is um you know since since he's come back from the clone wars he's just so layered mm-hmm. he you know what he knows stuff and he doesn't know stuff and um i've actually have the, i've got the episode going right now with uh with them meeting mom for the first time his outfit i, I still don't get I, I don't get that uh that frat boy shirt that he's wearing that almost the space polo if you will it's just utilitarian is it? Is that what he it just, is? He needs something to cover the tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're all over his care. face and, and arms. <laughs> I know, but I don't know. It, it works for me. Yeah. The one thing I got to say I'm not crazy about with Maul is the faces on his assassin droids. Really? Uh, I, I love the assassin droids. I love that, you know, they're, the, they're these droids. Uh, from Mandalore, they they go back to the Clone Wars. Those episodes of Mandalore um, that he uh, hacked and reprogrammed as his assassin droids, um, and that's what they were calling them on StarWars.com, mm. Maul's assassin droids. Um, but the faces I just thought were, you know, one step too far. Right. They remind me of a toy from the late eighties, early nineties, a little toy robot thing that had a kind of a liquid crystal type mm-hmm. face, you know, and, and it yep. had, it, it kind of had that same shape and everything. It, it really, I can't, I couldn't tell you what that toy was actually called, but it, it but it's it very possible that. that that was like a little Easter egg homage to that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Ezra calling the staff that they used to keep the spiders away, the thumper. Yes, that's that a, was an homage to Dune. Yeah, because that's what we all need is an homage to Dune mm-hmm. in in our lives. More more Dune. I wasn't going to mention that, <laughs> but it just sort of crept up. Well, it's you know it's been um, it's been yeah. They they do this a lot. They put the, they slip those things in there, and it's always interesting. It's always fun. But I didn't have a pro. I didn't have a problem so much. But I I don't know. I don't even know that I like the. I don't know that I like the design of those droids for what was going on. They seemed too easy to take out, you know, and and they didn't get taken out easily enough until Caleb, you know, took their heads off. But well, the actual source of the design, they were the rickshaw droid. Mm-hmm. Uh, from episode two, that right. was that's where that design came from. Okay, darker. That's what that one says to Anakin yeah. when he says, "Wait here." Okay, darker. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> um, the apparently the asteroid base was right out of the 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 Son of Dathomir comics. Yep. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, we know that that Son of Dathomir series was adapted from unproduced episodes right. of the Clone Wars. Which is why I wish I would have read it. I wonder if it's available in the Marvel Unlimited app. They they end up with a lot of those Dark Horse titles over there. That one might be because that is a canon story. Yeah. They ended up with all of it um, at Marvel. Just about. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. All the all the dark horse. All the dork, Yeah, all the dark horse. All the dark horse stuff. Yeah, they um. They yeah, I know they've been putting out trades. They, uh, John Jackson Miller's Knights of the Old Republic just came out recently and stuff. So. Um, and there's still some good stuff in that old legend oh, yeah. stuff. There's some great. The dark Horse put out a lot of great comics. Under the Star Wars banner. Uh, they they um. Yeah, it's there. It's in the Star Wars Unlimited app. I'll have to read this mess. And i got to say, I've only read the first... Again, we're going off on a different tangent here, but I've only read the first two episodes, issues so far. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's because there's only two issues out, but the Han Solo comic yeah. that Marvel's putting out right now is fan-freaking-tastic. When, when does it take place? Uh, during the, the original trilogy. Um, but it, it, it's him, it's him as a racer. Like it really gets into his racing. Okay. Um, and the rebel Alliance like has him enter this race because it's part of a mission. Um, it's really good. Really, really good. So highly recommend the first two issues. If the third one's out, pick that one up too. Just go ahead and grab it. Just go, yeah, because the first two are that good. The art is gorgeous. Uh, just unfortunately, because, oh, wait a minute, do I have them right here? Um, yes. The art is really great. Uh, here we go. It is written by Marjorie Liu with pencils by Mark Brooks and inks by Dexter Vines. Nice. So really, really solid book. We'll have to check it out. Well, any any final thoughts on this thing before we wrap things up, Eric? Yeah, I'm just I, I I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing the Kanan and Ezra relationship. You know where it's going to continue to go from here. Now that they've kind of had this reconciliation, and maybe reconciliation is the wrong word, but you know they found found balance again. But what I'm really interesting. Uh, what I'm really interested to see is, you know, Bendu tells Kanan and Ezra that once a secret is known, it cannot be unknown. Right. So what exactly did Ezra wind up seeing in there? What does he remember? What clues does he put together? Does this possibly have a connection to Luke Skywalker? Does this possibly have a connection to Tatooine, to Obi-Wan Kenobi? like where they're going to go with that. I'm just really, really, really fascinated by that. Does Darth Maul live to a ripe old age? His horns fall out and he's snow. Maul is snow. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of feel like every episode now we need to have a new snow theory. I, done. We will. It'll happen. Ball of Snoke. There's your live, lives to a ripe old age. There you go. There's your there's your Snoke theory for this episode. There's the de- the deformations on his head because he removed the horns. Right. Well, I think they just fell out. But they, or they like, fell out like a like some like a human being's hair. You know, <laughs> they don't stick around all the time. 
Oh, right. Well, hey, guys, thanks for joining us for this episode. Ayers, thank you for uh, for, for pulling the, you know, the, the, the hard task of doing oh, this with absolutely me. Absolutely my pleasure. Yep. And to but, Teresa, all the best to her. I don't, hope everything's going well. Well, because you you, you're already, you know, not only are we about to turn around live and do Pass the Corn, but you also have Mile High Tundra going on the Goliverse. Recorded you're, that last night. You're busy this week with, uh, with, with New York Comic Con coming up. New York Comic Con for Rebel Yell listeners. If you don't listen to Pass the Corn, what, what's wrong? Exactly. But <laughs> come by the Delray Star Wars booth at New York Comic Con. Give us a, a hearty Rebel Yell. And, uh, you know, stop and talk the wars with us. Yes, definitely. We're going to have oh, amazing authors signing all weekend. Chuck Wendig, James Lucino, John Jackson Miller, wow. Christy Golden's going to be around. Wow. And the legend, the man himself, Timothy Zahn. No way. Yes. Man. You're living yes. the dream this week, man. Living the living dream at the New dream. York Comic Con. Well, you can follow Eris at Darth underscore Duff on Twitter. You can follow Disney Vault Talk at uh, Disney Vault Talk. Email us, vaulttalk at gmail.com. You can follow the entire Goliverse at Goliverse. I'm at Steve Glosson on Twitter. Like us on the Facebook, uh, the, the Disney Vault Talk on the Facebook. We also have an Instagram you can follow with Disney Vault Talk. And uh, that wraps us up. Until next time for Eris Your I'm Steve Glosson, and we'll see you on the next Rebel Yell. Yeah.